Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of Arizona Sports Saturday. Here on the Arizona Sports app and on 98.7 here in the Oxygen Community Studios. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Varelis, Trevor Henry behind the glass, joined once again by Alex Weiner, our lead D-backs writer for Arizona Sports and one half of the Ain't No Fang podcast. They just dropped an episode yesterday. Be sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Prior segment, Alex, we did a lot of touching on relievers and how the market's kind of already starting to move with some of the trades that the White Sox made in a sell-off sort of sense. They've already sold off five pitchers, six pitchers. But the Diamondbacks need more than just relief help. They need starter help, too. And I want to start with the one guy that's getting a lot of connection to the Diamondbacks right now, and that's left-handed Cardinals pitcher Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Got another quality start yesterday, albeit in a loss, but... (laughs) <laughs> he's got what I call like the Matt Cain problem where he pitches really well, but his offense doesn't show up. Montgomery's still a very valuable pitcher uh, that the Diamondbacks should be looking at here at the deadline. Yeah. Um, the blue button there. Oh, there we go. We good. Um, <laughs> veteran of the studio. Obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jordan Montgomery, I mean, in a nutshell would be a great addition because he's been one of the more steadier off or, pitchers in baseball the last couple of seasons. Um, he's been great since he got to the Cardinals. He was solid with the Yankees for most of his tenure there. Uh, and, you know, this year, 3-4-2 ERA, but he is another rental player. So, again, it's sort of like cost versus how much you're willing to kind of push forward all in on this season. Right. Um, with the rotation, it, it's again, it's kind of in an interesting spot because now Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen are back on the top. Kelly is back and healthy. And then you have Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, and right now it's Brandon Fott uh, with Zach Davies on the injured list. Relying on three rookies down the stretch, it, it can be kind of difficult. And Tori Lovello pointed this the other day where September could be a grind for some younger guys who haven't pitched this deep, especially into a major league season before. So to add some depth seems to make a lot of sense for them. Um, yeah, with, with Montgomery, again, it's it's so hard to think of the price with him. I know we've seen some starting pitchers go, but like Giolito was tied to a reliever to an Angels team. We talked about that was a unique situation. Lance Lynn tied to a reliever. We talked about that unique situation. So for a purely rental pitcher, not entirely sure what that market looks like yet. We haven't gotten a lot of examples of it, but right. it's it's just going to be kind of hard to make that balance there. But in theory, he would be a great addition, especially as a left-handed pitcher when they're righty-heavy anyway. Steve, I know your dream scenario involves more than just getting Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals because they kind of have the three areas of need that the Diamondbacks need. And I know you mentioned on your recent episode that Tyler O'Neill's probably not going to be moved. The Cardinals are now sounds like. they're working on an extension with Jordan Hicks, so that already dries up two out of the three. That might not be going well, by the way. Reportedly, yeah. Reportedly, that might be going south, and he is a free agent. Tyler O'Neill is not. So they may be under some pressure. If we if we think the negotiation with Hicks is not going well, maybe we do trade him after all. Whereas O'Neill, they could just hold on to. I just wonder, because it sounds like Montgomery is going to be the most expensive pitcher traded outside of Giolito. Obviously, Giolito went for two top four prospects in the uh, Angels system. Right, and with Rodriguez, we just don't know what that contract is. Yeah. There's, an op- there's an opt-in for three more years, but it's at the end of this season. So that makes that a little bit trickier. So yeah, maybe Montgomery is the most expensive starter who, who's left on the market. The Rodriguez being Eduardo Rodriguez with the Tigers, who's had a very good season with Detroit, albeit with 
Detroit. But he's pitched very, very well, Steve. And the contract stipulation that Alex is referring to is the opt-out that he has this year. But if Rodriguez decides to opt-in, you can get him for three years beyond yeah. this one season. It's crazy. It's one of those deals where you, I would think you have to make that deal if you're the Diamondbacks with it in mind that we're only giving up what we think it should cost to get him as a rental because we we have to go in assuming he's going to opt out and not be with us for the next three years. Um, that's what I would do, and that's why it makes it so difficult for the Tigers to trade him because like, what team out there is giving the the package, the prospect package for a four-year trade when he could leave at the end of the season and it's a two-month trade. So instead of risking that, I would think you would offer the Tigers something that's a little bit better than a rental price and hope and pray that the guy opts into his contract. But the remaining money on his deal is three years, $49 million, and that's over his ages, 31, 32, and 33 seasons. So you have to ask yourself, is this player going to go out and hit the open market and make more than that? Uh, I think Alex and I agree, probably will. I mean, he's a left-handed pitcher with some modicum of success mm-hmm. at the major league level. He probably will make more than that. So I don't know if he's a target for them. I, I understand them being interested in him, but it's that opt-out. That contract is so weird that I just it's such a risk to move for him. He's a legit number two, number three starter, and that's on the lower end of like a legit number two starting money. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, especially if he continues to pitch the way that he is right now to opt out and get a better long-term deal. And man, if, if you're the Tigers too, you're asking for more than the rental price, obviously. That makes it a little bit, I mean, obviously that makes it tricky, but maybe you look elsewhere on the Tigers because they have a bunch of arms potentially to give up. Is Michael Lorenzen a more palatable target, even if he's less exciting, than Rodriguez, because then you you don't have the stipulations. As great it would be if the Diamondbacks got Eduardo Rodriguez and he opts in and they can build their rotation, they could focus on, you know, locking up Zach Allen and they have Callan Kelly and Rodriguez and then build out from the younger guys. That's a heck of a rotation. But if he leaves in free agency and you give up a little bit more than you're willing to give up for maybe a Jordan Montgomery or another rental piece, I don't know, maybe do you have more clarity in what you're trying to do with the Michael Lorenzen or do you try to shoot somewhere else to try to find somebody maybe younger who has more uh, availability. Or do you try to tack on one of those relievers with Rodriguez? The way that we've seen with Giolito mm. and with Lance Lynn, do you try to tack on one of those relievers who maybe is more controllable uh, and you tell the Tigers, listen, we'll give you a little bit more than the rental price for Rodriguez, but you got to kick something back our direction. Something else that we get in return and that need would probably be in the bullpen. Right, like a Jason Foley or Tyler Holton, former Diamondback Tyler Holton, who <laughs> kind of like Keaton yeah. Middleton is having a pretty good season for the Detroit Tigers. Let's just bring back all the former Diamondbacks, <laughs> see if they work out in the bullpen again. What's maybe, Fernando Rodney doing? <laughs> maybe even Alex Lang, who's been their closer this year in and out of that spot. I don't know if they'd be willing to sacrifice him, but I think he's I think he's locked or I think he's under team control through twenty seven. But yeah, young well, closer, case, great curveball. Would you rather have Lang or David Bednar? Bednar. Okay, see, that was an easy question. That was an easy question, yeah. So, Lang. I wonder if the price... I'm going Lang. <laughs> Why Wait, is that? Really? I would rather have Bednar, the player, but for the cost that it's going to cost you, I think I'd rather have Lang. I think if you're going all in on that anyway, you might as well get the best guy. I don't disagree with you there. It's just I'm getting Lang with the understanding that I'm also getting Rodriguez. Okay, what if I expand, right? what if I expand this a bit? So the centerpieces have now up. become the Bednar or the Lang, right? Would you rather have the duo of Mitch Keller and David Bednar? Or the duo of Eduardo Rodriguez and Alex Lang? I think the 
Keller Bednar duo is unrealistic. I think I think if you're the I think in theory, if the Dimebacks can, no matter what the cost is, if you can get those two players who are proving themselves mm-hmm. as young players who are going to be under contract for at least the next three years, you have to do it. But it just if you're the Pirates, why would you? And and Steve made this call on the uh, show yesterday. Why would you kind of go through the rebuild again when mm-hmm. you're getting closer and these guys are under team control? Okay, what about, what about a more realistic duo? What about David Bednar and Rich Hill? I don't want So you Rich get Hill. older but cheaper but also left-handed. I think it's still expensive because you get Bednar. Right. So I'm not particularly interested in Rich Hill. I mean, it's not just an ageist thing. <laughs> um, How dare you? Uh, I I don't see. It's nice if you get a lefty back. Like if you get Eduardo Rodriguez back, that's nice. I don't think it's a necessity. I think that they're probably looking for talent at the right price and with the right contract rather than is he right-handed or is he left-handed. I I understand they have a lacking of left-handers in the rotation. Tommy Henry's your only lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that's a make-or-break characteristic. And I don't think they're in any rush to bring Blake Walston up, who I know has been solid for Reno, and they expect him to be solid going forward as a left-handed pitcher. Up and down. He's had a weird year. Needs the walks to go down and the strikeouts to go up a little bit. Is that maybe someone that you could... Because I wonder if Rodriguez and Montgomery are around the same price point, given their value and given the fact that they could be going into a contract year, basically. Would you be willing to go for and say, hey... We've got this young left-hander. He's got a couple of issues right now at AAA, but when he's right, he's really right. And you try and dangle Blake Walston as opposed to a Brandon Fott in one of those types of deals. I think it would take more than that. More than Walston? Yeah. Yeah. What if it was instead Yumin Lin? I also think it would take more than that. I think they'd need multiple prospects. Multiple guys, yeah. I, I still, I know I pitched it last weekend. I still love the idea of getting multiple things back from the Cardinals. If the interest in Jordan Montgomery is what Gambo says it is, and I believe that, uh, do Montgomery and Hicks. Go to the Cardinals and say, listen, stop dealing with this headache. Stop dealing with this guy who can't aim. We'll take him off of your off your hands. And you don't have to worry about, do we extend him? Do we not extend him? We'll take care of that. But throw in the package. We will certainly pay you a lot more than the price for two rentals. We will. It would be a decent package you would have to give up for those two individuals. Alex, any final thoughts? Anything else that you're looking at as far as the Diamondbacks approach to the deadline? Any maybe guys we're not necessarily keeping a closer eye on that maybe we should? I'm interested that the Mets have gone on the selling direction what would Adam Adovino potentially cost as a back-end guy who's done it for a while? He, I think he has another year under contract for like $6.7 or something like that. So you have to be willing to you really, kind of indulge in that Maybe a bit. Steve will pay some of it. But maybe. May, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I make the big bucks around here. Um, and then the other <laughs> ideas would Steve, be the bats. Uh, if they need another right-handed outfield bat, especially given the struggles that Lourdes Goriel has shown over the last few months. I mean, I, I looked it up, so his, he has a 44 WRC plus since June 1st, which is tied for third worst in the league among qualified hitters. Ooh. The best version of the Dimebacks has been with him slugging in the middle of the lineup, and I yeah. guess the hope is that he can find that again, but in the meantime, if you need another right-handed bat, I mean, that's another option for them to go out and get to. Can I throw out two teams, not names of players, but two teams that I think might play an interesting role that people aren't talking about? One of them is at Chase Field this weekend. 
Seattle Mariners? Seattle Mariners or have... Or did you mean the Diamondbacks? No, well, them too. <laughs> uh, the Seattle Mariners have a plethora of young, controllable starting pitching, something that I think the Diamondbacks are really desiring. Mm-hmm. But what is it that the Mariners are looking to get back that you would have to give up? And I think that's a very interesting question. And it would have to be one of those deals where it's not just a bunch of prospects going back. It would have right. to be something of significant value at the major league level. And then the other team I'll throw out very quickly is Cleveland. They made a very weird deal sending Ahmed Rosario to the Dodgers, a guy they just locked up to a long-term contract. Cleveland clearly needs hitting, not pitching. But because Shane Bieber went on the IL for the 60-day, I think they made the move for Syndergaard. I wonder if Cleveland looks for a hitter, specifically an outfielder somewhere else, and we know that the Diamondbacks have a plethora of outfielders at AAA and the major league level. Yeah, because not only the Bieber injury, but Tristan McKenzie. Oh, that one's brutal. And Cal Quantrill, who could Cal Quantrill be a target potentially? He's had a down year this year because he's been hurt for most of the year. But the last couple of seasons, he's been pretty solid. And I think he went on the I.O. with shoulder inflammation, I want to say a couple of weeks ago. And I haven't heard too, too much about his road back. But if he's somebody who can pitch... I don't know, half of August and all the way through September. Is he, you know, an interesting target? A career ERA under four, a whip of 1.26. Feels like an upgrade over Zach Davies. Uh, Yeah. Which I don't know. It's just health. It's just health. But what do you have to give up? Do you have to give up Alec Thomas? Do you have to give up Jake McCarthy? Because Cleveland's going to want an outfielder. I mean, maybe it's Canzone. Maybe it's Fletcher. Those guys seem to be, I don't want to say expendable, but they're certainly a part of a surplus. Alex, as always, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. He's going to be covering the game later today, so be sure to follow Alex for all the latest updates on the Diamondbacks and check out his work on ArizonaSports.com and the Ain't No Fink podcast on the Arizona Sports app. Coming up next, ASU, if you can hear me, get out! That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Shout out Trev. Damn right, get out of here. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister back here in the auction community studios on this Arizona Sports Saturday. Why are we playing the song Get Out of Here? I don't even know if that's what it's actually called, Trev. What is that song? That's called? correct. It's okay. about Buster Rhymes. All right. Buster Rhymes is Get Out of Here. Why? Because the Pac-12 is about to collapse, Steve. Because ASU got to get out of here. ASU, we'll we'll give a love to U of A as well. Get the heck out of here. Sounds like U of A might be in the process of doing that. It sounds like it too. Why are we saying get out of here? Um, because we're now down to the Pac-9. That's why. In case you missed it, Colorado is headed back to the Big 12 at the start of next season. So now they're going home. USC, UCLA and Colorado are going to be gone from the Pac-12 by next year. Okay, the USC-UCLA thing kicks in next season? Correct. Okay. So it'll be the Pac-12 for this one year, and then it'll be the Pac-9, as it stands right now. (laughs) Right. Hooray. Party. That's the other thing. Do you rename the conference every time you change? Because they had... We've had 16 teams in the Big Ten for the last couple of years. I mean, they, you could, they, could they didn't just, rename the Big Ten. They could just rename the commissioner or something. To, yeah. Uh, I think know. they need to stop putting numbers in the conference names. I think they, that would be a good first step. So, <laughs> initial reaction. Is losing Colorado from a football and basketball perspective, because those are the two big sports, is that a big loss for the Pac-12? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no. Football. I'm going to say no. 
Okay. You Not a huge me, loss for me. You tell me why. And then because I'll give you Colorado my Colorado is reason. irrelevant. And most of the time in football, uh, definitely a little bit better in basketball. But as, as a football program, not a big deal. Okay. To lose Colorado. They are the bottom of the Pac 12, in my opinion. Here's they why were on the bubble to begin with. Here's why it is a big deal to me Prime. Coach Prime. Coach Prime. This team literally just went all out and got maybe the most polarizing head football coach in college football right now. And they were smart enough to decide, you know what? This is a disaster here in the Pac-12. We're going to get our ass out of here and go back to a much more stable conference, which, by the way, was on the verge of collapse themselves, losing Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. Oh, and what did they do? They they just turned around and got five new schools for next season. Yeah, but none of them are Texas or Oklahoma. But you know what they did? They stayed afloat. And they acquired. they're, They're apparently in talks to get at least one more. To put them at 16. They're going for quantity, not quality. Well, you know what? The quality will be there with the quantity, in my opinion. Plus, you've already got your media rights deal figured out, which is something that the Pac-12 is still yet to announce. The Big 12 is another thing, man. I mean, they've been dealing with this for a while. Remember, Texas A&M left a long time ago for the SEC. And a lot of people were like, can they do that? It didn't really hurt them, though. I think it did. It was at a pivotal time where Johnny Manziel was the biggest thing in football. But he was the biggest thing in football in the SEC, not in the Big 12. But Texas A&M has then been, eventually, such, been such a powerhouse in the SEC since then, right? Then eventually the two biggest teams, the two biggest uh, football programs, certainly, and big basketball programs in Oklahoma and Texas jump ship. The Big 12 was bleeding. They're was. bleeding. No, I think it was bleeding. I think they're still bleeding. Well, because Texas and Oklahoma haven't officially left yet. No, like, they've still got started. This, it's this year. This right. year is their last. So they are, they're Trying to play catch-up is what they're doing. And again, it's quantity, not quality. When you look at the Pac-12, they haven't even gotten to the catch-up yet. That's just it. They're just bleeding. Yeah. They're bleeding out. And nobody's called 911 or Nobody's anything. got a tourniquet. Nobody's doing anything. Right. Which is exactly why I want ASU to leave. Because you can either sit here and hopefully a media rights deal comes around. Hopefully... The conference recoups its losses and gets back to 12 or even gets back to 10 at this point. Or you sit there while the conference bleeds dry and you're left with the Mountain West. Where do you go? If you're ASU, where do you go? Probably the Big 12. You go to the Big 12 and say, please take us to. In terms of region, yes. And there was reporting out there, I believe yesterday, by a lot of the college football insiders that the Big 12 is still searching for one more school to make it an even 16 and they're starting with the Pac-12. Well, there's talks about U of A, right? The heavy lean right now is U of A because of their basketball program. And this is where the problem lies for ASU. What is the incentivizing aspect of ASU athletics that tells any of these other conferences or even just the Big 12? What is the incentivizing athletics department or the athletic program that makes you say I want them over anybody else in the Pac-12 conference because I don't know what it is. Well, the biggest draw of getting ASU is the market, and that plays into television ratings. That sure. plays into you know the media market as a whole. It plays into recruiting, uh, which is certainly a big part of the reason why the Big Ten dipped into the L.A. market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think that there is – some level of respect for the market that Phoenix is and that ASU plays into versus a Tucson. Like if I'm another conference 
the Phoenix market appeals to me much more than the Tucson market, much more even maybe than Colorado's market, although Colorado kind of has a hold over the Denver market and everything like that. Sure. Um, So you could debate that all day long. I would rather have them than say, I don't know, I'm going to name it Stanford. That's not a big market necessarily. San Washington area, area the, the Oregon schools. It's just not the same. ASU is the best big market left other than maybe Cal. And Cal has no intrigue because their basketball and football programs are not as good. Better. Basketball but not can be every now and then, but yeah, it's... It's primarily, yeah, a dud. And so, from my opinion, if you're ASU, you've got a couple of options here. You can either be the big fish in the small pond or the small fish in a big pond. Do you go to the the Big 12 and say, like, oh, we want in, too. We want in as well. And you're just kind of one of 16. Or do you want to be the big fish in the smaller pond that is becoming the Pac-9, Pac-8, whatever it ends up being? No. Because there's no money there. That's something that they have to think about, though. Well, I would rather have the money if it means be being the worst team in a better conference. The other factor is, especially in football, if your goal is to win national championships, which is how you sell it to players, right, to recruit them. If you want to win national championships, you have to play the best teams. All the best teams that make the playoffs play other good teams, even non-conference schedule. Yep. So if you're ASU and the Pac-12 is now completely devoid of talented teams, the only good teams left are Washington and Oregon. How are you going to get the notoriety on the national level? Even if you win the Pac, whatever it's called, the Pac, Mm -hmm. even if you win the conference, now your resume doesn't look too good when it comes time for the committee to decide who makes the playoffs. Exactly. So you have to consider that. There's a lot of factors here that go into this. Certainly, you're right. Money is a big factor. And by the way, not all of this is athletics. A lot of this is academics, too. And geography. So there's a lot of factors here. But what advantage of Colorado's geography do they have over Arizona State's geography? Like, realistically, I think the advantage that Colorado had in getting invited over by the Big 12 was quite literally their head football coach. Like that, if and if nothing else, that was the defining factor as to why they're doing what they're doing right now and getting a part of a huge pie in this media rights deal that the Big 12 just signed. Why did UC, USC and UCLA jump to the Big 10? Well, because they've got the LA market, as you mentioned, which is massive, right? And USC is one of the top five teams in the country and have the run, the returning Heisman candidate and Caleb Williams, right? There's appeal. From those, what is the appeal from ASU? And I don't know if their market is good enough for these other big conferences. It might not be. I hope it is. Here's where I think we're heading. Big picture, long term, right? And I've heard Wolf talk about, you know, there's going to be a South Conference and a a North Conference and then, you know, they're massive conferences. I've heard that idea and it, it makes some sense to me. And Wolf certainly knows a lot more about college football than I do. But here's what I kind of think is happening. I think eventually they're going to weed out some of the mid to smaller market teams and you're going to have massive conferences. Geography does not matter anymore. West Virginia has been in the Big 12 for a while. <laughs> Cal, or, uh, not Cal, UCLA and USC are going to be in the Midwest <laughs> region. Basically, that's what the Big 10 is. It's the Midwest yeah. and they're joining it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So geography's wow. out the window at this point. It's all money. It's all money. So if you want all the money... Here's what I would do in college football, and this is going to take some time to get there. You're going to have three or four massive conferences with all the big schools playing each other, 
And all the little ones and the mid-tier ones are going to be left out in the cold. Yep. And have their own college football playoff if they want it. Like the NIT or something like that. I think that's where we're headed. Is we're going to have massive conferences. Rutgers is not going to be in a conference with Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State. You're not going to have that anymore. No. Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State will be playing against the USC's, the UCLA's, and the other big, big, big programs. I think we're heading there. Maybe sooner rather than later. All right, we're coming up on a couple of days from the MLB trade deadline. The Diamondbacks have been linked to a couple of different names. Who can they get? Who should they get? We're going to tell you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Morales, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a predicament. They haven't been performing lately. They're 3-10 and ten since the All-Star break. And they weren't exactly hot going into the All-Star break either. No. Then on top of that, you've got the MLB trade deadline. Is it 3 o'clock on Tuesday? It is 3 p.m. Arizona time Tuesday. Yeah, my time zone's That's mixed 6 up. Eastern is what it is. So that's okay. probably the whole... So 3 o'clock on Tuesday year. afternoon is when we will likely know a lot of the moves. Remember we, we got the Zach Granke deal like 10 minutes after the deadline even happened a couple years back? Yes. So... The facts came in a little bit later right, yeah. than the rest of them. So we may not find out what this team does until Tuesday. No. They could do things earlier, but the, but I expect that trade deadline day will be pretty crazy. So we've, I mean, we've seen a couple of trades already, right? Uh, going back two weeks was the Chapman deal. That was kind of the sign of, all right, things are starting to pick up. Things are happening. But then in the last couple of days, the White Sox, most notably, have been selling their entire pitching staff. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly go to the Dodgers. Right. So you cringe if you're a Diamondbacks fan in that scenario. Uh, Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez go to the Angels. Obviously a team that is desperate to win now in Otani's final season. Only three. I've got the standings up right here. Only four games out of a wild card spot right now. Maybe. Who knows? And then they sell Kendall Graveman back to the Astros. They get a solid prospect in return. But you just wonder now, that seemed like a team that the Diamondbacks could have gone towards and said, hey, they could have been a fit. We like this. Can you give us this? Well, guess what? All five of those guys are gone now. Yeah. All of them. You're late to the table. And you wonder now, what are the teams that you're supposed to go to if you're trying to stay competitive and stay in this arms race where you are currently one game back of a wild card spot and in no position to just say, well, we tried. We'll do this again next year. Yeah, and it's it's difficult because in talking with some of my friends who are hardcore Diamondbacks fans, the one thing I'm hearing now is this team's not good enough to be going out there and adding things at the trade deadline. I have some friends that believe you shouldn't do anything at the trade deadline because this team isn't good enough to contend this year. No, I think that's a mistake. I, I, I disagree with it as well. I, I think that they should be adding. It's just a matter of what you're giving away, I mm-hmm. think, is probably a lot less now than it would have been, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Right. Um, but that's the frustration with this fan base right now is that the team is not performing. They're one of the worst teams in baseball over the last two weeks. And are you really willing to go out and give up significant prospect packages to add players that might only be here for the next two months and try to go for it now when this team already looks like they're not ready? Well, so here's where you're getting helped if you're the Diamondbacks and you've been one of the worst teams in baseball in the last two weeks. You know who else has been one of the worst teams in baseball the last two weeks? San Francisco Giants who you are a game behind. You know who else has been one of the worst teams in baseball the last two weeks? The Miami Marlins, who you are, you guessed it, 
a game behind for the right wild card. Now. Right. Yeah. So it's not to say that the Diamondbacks are by any means out of it because they've been stinking. Because guess what? Everybody on top of them has also been kind of stinking. Cincinnati swept them, but that's the best thing that they've done so far since the break. I know they beat the Dodgers yesterday, and that's huge. But it's not like everybody ahead of them has been exceeding the expectations either. I mean, Philly is 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They've got a game and a half over the Diamondbacks. Cincinnati 7-3. and three, They're the outlier, but they got beat up by their own division rival in Milwaukee. Like, it's a mess right now. The one team you do have to worry about kind of coming up on everybody's heels right now and winners of seven of their last of their last seven, excuse me, nine of the last ten, the Chicago Cubs, who have a lot of pieces that could be intriguing to some, but guess what? They're now fifty two and fifty one. Right. And it's the best run differential in their division. Fifty six. Yeah. They're scorching right now. Are they in a position to sell? Hell no. They think they can actually get into the wild card spot. Not in a position to sell, but maybe have the best pitcher and hitter rental a, player available. Real fascinating scenario. Because there's no better time for them to sell than now if you look at the players they have available to do that. But when it comes to, you're right, they're competing. They're they're a contender. They could add to this team and very easily be in the mix for one of those wild card spots for maybe winning their division. And so for that reason, the Cubs and Tom Ricketts likely don't move on from Marcus Stroman, who's been a top 10 pitcher in the game, Mm -hmm. or Cody Bellinger, who has reclaimed his MVP level status this year. He's not going to be the MVP, but he's playing like he used to. He's had a torrid July. And absolutely torrid. That's what makes their experiment so interesting. Here's another one that throws a huge wrinkle on everything. I think there's two more big ones. Uh Uh-huh. The New York Mets... Because they put so much money and effort into building this squad and it didn't work. They already sold off a couple pieces, Eduardo Escobar and David Robertson. That's where I'm kind of leaning against the Mets being the competitor this year. They're already kind of, not jumping ship, but but throwing the barrels off the ship. They're subtracting. Yeah. I mean, there's a quote from Max Scherzer yesterday about how he's disappointed that they had to sell Robertson off, but... He also took ownership in the fact that, well, I'm kind of the reason why we're at this point right now. Right. But the Mets underperforming is a reason for them to sell because clearly they've been overspending and maybe it's time for them to recruit some prospects because maybe they don't see it happening this year. The other one is San Diego. Yeah. And I know that that particularly affects the Diamondbacks because they're in the division. But San Diego has gone all in. A.J. Preller is not the kind of general manager to just flip the script and go the other direction. They've reportedly taken Blake Snell and Josh Hader off of the market as well. So it doesn't seem like they want to sell either. They're gonna, Yeah, they're going to stay in it. I think the Mets are much more likely to trade some pieces. Justin Verlander's been talked about the last couple of days. Is he available? Even Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, is he available? His contract is crazy. But both of them have I know, contracts. Both ridiculous. Steve Cohen, what are you doing? Paying a bunch of old dudes money. Padres is just kind of like the Cubs, where they're very much underperforming, but look at their run differential. They have a 57 run differential, the Padres do right now. And that'll even some things out in their record over the last two months of the season. They're also 36 and 37 against teams that are better than 500. They destroyed the Texas Rangers last night. I don't know if you saw. I've been doing a lot of scoreboard watching in the last couple of weeks. They beat them 7-1 to yesterday. That Rangers team has the best run differential in baseball and the Padres manhandled them yesterday. That I think starts that to worry me. You talked about earlier uh, the D-backs regressing to the mean. Yes. 
they maybe overperformed in the first half, particularly like early summer. They were overperforming and got these high expectations, and now they're regressing back to probably about where they are. Mm -hmm. Those teams we just talked about, the Mets, the Padres, the Cubs, they're regressing the other direction. They're they're not regressing. They're progressing. (laughs) What's the opposite of progress? Yeah, I know. I was like, regressing the other direction. That's not called progressing. What is that called? (laughs) Progression. They're becoming the team that they thought they were going to be. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to have 95, 100 wins by the end of the year. No. That certainly seems dramatic. Kind of out of the question right now. But they're coming back into their own. Blake Snell has picked up as one of the best starting pitchers in the game. Marcus Mm -hmm. Stroman, same conversation. Uh, Juan Soto's figured things out to a certain extent. Fernando Tatis doesn't have a suspension looming over his head. We just talked about the Pac-12 and the Big 12, and you used the phrase they're bleeding right now, bleeding out. Without a tourniquet. Well, guess what? The Padres kind of feel like a shark in the water as of late, and they can smell the blood off of the Diamondbacks and the Giants, too. Two teams that have been struggling out of the gate since the All-Star break, whereas the Padres have actually been kind of getting back into form, and now Blake Snell is a Cy Young candidate all of a sudden. Their offense is humming. Like, I worry. I really worry. And if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you have to be really, really worried, too. And the only way that you can stay ahead of it is if you do something about it. Right. And I do think they want to. You cannot just go to the deadline and do nothing. That'd be a huge disappointment. It would be massive disappointment. The fan base would completely riot for the most part, and they might even sell off on the season. Here's something else that a friend of mine told me last night, that they blame Mike Hazen in the front office for not having more pitching on this squad. And with the team where it was, you know, a month ago, being in first place over the Dodgers and all that, they blame Hazen and the organization for not adding pitching at a pivotal time. The reason that I don't necessarily blame them, uh, we knew, we all knew going into the season, pitching was going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. The bullpen was completely new, no real established players. They had a couple of question marks. Miguel Castro's been around for a minute, but has had struggles. Scott McGuff had some success overseas, but that doesn't always translate. Andrew Chafin was your big addition, and he's been much better the last couple of years. Pitching, we knew Bumgarner might be an issue, and he was, and they cut bait, which meant that you had three rookies in your rotation. So this this team is exactly where we thought they would be in terms of pitching. Yeah. The problem is the offense was better than we expected, and all of a sudden we had these high expectations, these high hopes for what this team could accomplish this season, whereas at the beginning of the year, you and I were not having conversations like, the Diamondbacks need to be... Big-time buyers at the deadline. They need to be adding big pieces, contending for a playoff spot. Right. We didn't expect that three months ago, four months ago. So in a lot of ways, I don't blame the front office for not doing more to add to the pitching. They knew they didn't have the pitching to contend early in the season. And now they're in a position where the fan base expects them to fix that problem. Well, they had Madison Bumgarner back in April. But even they knew that that might go south quickly, and it did. Very much. Very quickly. But that's also a subtraction, whereas there has been no major addition since then. So they need to address it now. I'm with like, you. Now, now. I'm with you. Coming up next, Bradley Beal, newest member of the Phoenix Suns, didn't realize who he was traded for and actually thought it was a star-for-star star trade? We'll explain next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present 
Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. Footnotes is the portion of the show where we get to the other stories that Steve and I wanted to touch on before we said bye-bye for the weekend. And We don't talk like that to each other, for what it's worth. We don't say bye-bye. <sighs> Just wanted to make that clear. Thanks. You bet. Making things awkward already. Um, but speaking of awkward, Bradley Beal, newest edition of the Suns, you have to think that he commands a high price when he's getting traded from one team to another, right? You would think, We're yeah. talking about a former All-NBA-er, a former All-Star, a former uh, scoring champ uh, a couple of seasons ago. Would you believe me if I told you that Bradley Beal thought he was being traded for Devin Booker? Why? Is that just like an over-self-confidence? I don't know. I'm the level of player that Devin Booker is. I must be getting traded for Devin Booker. So he did an interview with Slam Magazine recently, and at first it was just a written quote, but now it's an audio quote. When I initially heard Phoenix was in play, I kind of questioned, I was like, are they trading Book? Like, there's no way that this is happening. Like, this can't be, like, this isn't right. Are they trading Book for me? There's no way this is happening. That He must not pay attention to the rest of the league. Because... You have to look at all the pieces, right? Kevin Durant was a big piece a year ago. Uh Kevin Durant came out and said, I want to go to Phoenix and play with Devin Booker. We all knew that if Durant was traded to Phoenix, it wouldn't be for Booker. No. So why would Beal think that he would be for Booker? It's like people don't pay attention to the Suns outside of Phoenix. It really is. And and Beal is significantly older than Booker. Like, What advantage would it be for the Suns to trade off of their star for Respectfully, Bradley Beal. Yeah, it's like I've seen all this stuff on Twitter about like the Knicks and the Sixers are looking to add a superstar and Devin Booker's on the... I'm like, he's not available. No. (laughs) Does nobody pay attention to Phoenix? He's not available and he never will be. He's not available. No, I wouldn't say he never will be. No, stop it. I'm saying he currently is not. I'm going to say he never will be. It's the NBA, bro. Everybody's available eventually. Booker wants to be here. Right now. We just talked about the market and the area. Right now he wants to be here. Do you think he wants to sacrifice that Paradise Valley home? Do you? I don't think Cliff Kingsbury wanted to sacrifice his home. Well, he got fired because he <laughs> sucked. I'm sorry. That's different. Anyway. Anyway. That was an unnecessary. Wow, suck. you went there. Hope he's not listening. What? He sucked. He's still in Taiwan? Uh, Thailand. Thailand. Sorry, anyway. I get those confused. If you go to Taiwan, it's a, it's a different part of the world. I don't think it's the same experience. Uh, what else happened? Oh, did you see the Cardinals yesterday? Not anything that happened like with plays on the field or anything, but uh, what they were wearing. Did you see the new practice unis that the Cardinals were sporting yesterday? Yeah, I did. I'm not impressed. Yeah, me neither. Not going to lie. They're pretty boring. They're just white. And red. And numeric. And have the NFL shield on Can them. I be honest with you? It's kind of how I felt about their new actual uniforms. Well, it's kind of... just kind of boring. They're fitting that mold, right? They kind of look exactly the same. Yeah. It's kind of weird, though, because, like, so they wear the black uni as the quarterback to des- to designate, like, hey, don't hit him, the right. non-contact jersey. Sure. And now it's just the defense wears white and the offense wears red. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. I'm not the kind of guy who really cares all that much about what the athletes are wearing. Uh, I can acknowledge when there's a cool new uniform, like when the Cincinnati Reds put out their new uh, City Connect jerseys. Those are, Those are awesome. Those are dope. Uh, but I don't really care much what they're wearing. But the Cardinals certainly have their issues with uniforms. Yeah. It's been a recurring thing with the uniforms. They're just kind of... Eh. Yeah. I did like the all-black uni from last year, but... But they don't wear them all that often. Oh, oh, here's here's what I'll say. I remember when the Suns dropped the, the Valley 
jerseys a couple of years ago. Those were cool. I didn't like them at first. Really? And then after a while, they kind of grow on you, and now I have one hanging in my closet. You know what did so, it for like, me? things happen. You know what did it for me with the Valley stuff? Huh. The court. Ah. The matching court. Yeah. That did it for me. That's a nice little touch there. Yep. So maybe the Cardinals just need a matching field on Sundays. Yeah, maybe. A plain red field. Can I throw a story in? Sure. Go ahead. Did you see the uh, score between USA Baseball USA versus oh, you know uh, New Zealand. I did. This is the 12U team. Team USA won that game 43 to 1. <laughs> 43 to 1. Is that even fair? Isn't there a run rule when you're 12? I just think back to Gambo's 28 to 5 rant when the Suns played the Trailblazers yeah. those years yeah. ago. 43 to 1! 43 to 1! God, was Freddie Freeman playing for Team USA? Oh, he's actually Canada. He must have hit seven times. Actually, yeah, that would be a good point. I, Dude. It's not like New Zealand. Who are these kids in the, on the 12U base? We got to get some of them in the D-back system. United States, man. 43 to 1? Does New Zealand just not play baseball? Are they new to this? I don't know. They didn't have a World Baseball Classic team this year, I don't think. Anyway, thought I'd bring that up. That's a fun thing to bring 43 up. 43 to 1? Stays on the baseball topic, too, because I did want to put this out there. Or share this, pass this along. Tori Lovello brought it up yesterday with uh, injury updates. Dre Jameson not going to need surgery on the UCL sprain. So, sigh of relief, but now we don't know what his timetable of return will be. Yeah, I was going to say, do you get him back by the end of the season now? I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't I've, think this year is an option. I've always Dre. kind of been operating under the understanding that he'd be back next season. Yeah. And that's a bummer for him in particular and for the fans that wanted to see him. I was hoping he would get a shot in the rotation this Me season. Too. And it didn't really end up happening. He got a, like a start, if I remember right, and then got put in the bullpen. Uh, I'm hoping that next year he gets a fair shake at one of those spots at the back end of the rotation if it's not. If they haven't acquired a bunch of starters by right. then, which I doubt they will. Or, you know, they still need a closer. Um Wanted to bring this up, too, because this has a nice little ASU connection, and this is actually really, really cool. Are you familiar with the name Leon Marchand? No. He is an ASU swimmer. Oh. And he's headed to Paris for the upcoming Summer Olympics next year. Nice. And they're doing the qualifiers, I think is what it is. He won the gold. He swam the 200-meter individual in a minute, 54.82 seconds. Why is that significant? Because it broke Michael Phelps's final individual world record. Is Michael Phelps still a coach at ASU? Mm. Or he was never or really like a coach. Like a, because Bob Bowman is like he just shows up coach. and yeah. yeah. Huh. ASU puts out a lot of good athletes in sports that you don't see on TV a lot. Or sorry, okay, sorry, I I signified the uh, wrong relay. It was the four hundred. 400 individual medley. Is it the one where they go in the water and they do laps? Yes. Okay. The back and forth, the back and forth. What I just described is every every swimming race. Um, the final individual world record for Michael Phelps. That's kind of crazy to think about. He set those back in 2008, Steve. Yeah. Well, records are meant to be broken. Yeah. Isn't and pretty cool. Said? ASU forks up. Can you answer a question for me? Sure. Right now on one of our TVs, I'm watching what's called the basketball tournament. I don't really know what that oh, is. Oh, the, the TBT, that's, that's for the big three. Okay. I can you can you just go ahead and read the two team names for me from left to right? Uh, one of them, oh, left to right? Okay. Yeah. One of them is Heard, H-E-R-D, that. Heard that. Heard okay. that. That's kind of interesting. And then the other one is, oh, God, Sideline Cancer. 
What is that about? I hope there's a deeper meaning to it. What is that about? Or not a deeper meaning to it. I, guess. I looked up and I just saw a basketball game and I saw the word cancer and I was like, that is very abrupt. Uh, yeah, just a little I don't bit. know what that's about. And uh, positive news coming from the Arizona Coyotes and their future and their future plans. Uh, Logan Cooley, who was the 2022 number three overall pick, signed his entry-level contract. He is foregoing the rest of his time at Minnesota. He will be an Arizona Coyote this upcoming oh, season. Oh, nice touch. Pretty cool. I like that quite And a he's bit. familiar with Mullet Arena because, you know, Minnesota played ASU in the <laughs> same arena. So we're, what, two, three days away from the MLB trade deadline. Yep. Quickly, if you had to guess, do the Diamondbacks do anything in the next couple days? And if so, what? Like before Monday, next couple of days? I don't yeah. think they do anything before Monday. Might Generally be a deadline speaking. day kind of thing. I think it'll become that, yeah. Which I'm really bummed about because I want them to be aggressive now, given what's already been happening. But I just wonder if Mike Hazen is waiting, 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 and then trying to get that perfect price for I'm gonna that say perfect piece. They add a rental starter, a rental reliever, and somehow find a right-handed hitting outfielder that will surprise us. I hope they get that, too. That's my guess. Uh, next week, Mitch and I are going to be out at Cardinals camp. Going to get to see the Cardinals for the first time this off, uh, this postseason. Not postseason, preseason. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. He's Mitch Ferrellis. For Trevor Henry behind the glass as well. Thanks so much for listening to Arizona Sports Saturday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.